Well, good morning, River City. It is good to be with you again this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, hopefully you guys have been enjoying the beautiful weather this week. I know my family has. My, my wife sent me on a mission earlier this week to find a slip and slide for our kids, which I quickly found out had become the new toilet paper in this quarantine season. Eventually uh, found the very last one hidden away on a shelf at Menards. And so the, the weekend fun was saved. But for a minute there, I've got to be honest, I thought about just doubling my money on the, on the slip and slide black market that is Facebook Marketplace. So uh, we've been enjoying the weather though, and hopefully you guys have as well as we, uh, as we continue in this season. Um, anyways, like I said, it's, it's really good to be with you this morning. I know last week I had said that we were going to begin a new series in the Gospel of John, taking a look at the I Am statements that Jesus uses to describe himself in that gospel. And... Um, but we're going to actually just push that back one, one more week. Um, as I studied and prepped towards that series this week, I just continually felt God um, calling my heart back to thinking and processing and wrestling with the, the, the realities of the, the issues of racism and injustice that, that the deaths of black men like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery have, have once again brought to the forefront of the conversation in our country. And if you've been around River City for any length of time, you, you know that we're not the uh, hot take 24-hour news cycle uh, church that tries to address any and every hot button issue in our world. But I think the, the issues that have been brought up by the events in the last few weeks, there's something that Jesus' church simply cannot remain silent about. There's something that, that, that God's people must address. And that's because the issues of systemic racism and injustice, they're not primarily social issues. They're not primarily political issues. And in fact, what they are, they are primarily gospel issues. You see, they're issues that matter deeply to the heart of God. And so they, so they should matter deeply to God's people who are his kingdom representatives here. And so what I want to do this morning is just take a few minutes to talk briefly about what the Bible has to say about the, the problems of racism and injustice and, and how the gospel impacts uh, not only the way we think about those issues, but how it also en enables and empowers us to respond to those things uh, with hope as well. Now, just a few caveats before we dive in this morning. First, I recognize that this is not the only area of injustice that God's people should care about, but it is the one in, that our country is facing head on right now. And so it's important for us to address this area intentionally and specifically. Secondly, uh, we couldn't possibly dive into all the nuances and details and, and, and different things going on with these huge complex issues this morning, nor do I claim to be an expert on these things. Instead, uh, these minutes are, these next few minutes, they're not meant to be a comprehensive end-all be-all form of conversation about this, these topics, but instead they're meant to be a starting point for us as a church to begin processing what it looks like for us to, to think and to act regarding these issues of racism and injustice in light of God's word, in light of the transforming power and call of the gospel. And so to that end, let's just pray together briefly this morning as we begin. God, we, we come to you this morning and, and we just really humbly ask that you be gracious to meet us through your word and through our time together. 
God, the, the issues that our world and our country faces around, around these, these, uh, the problems of racism and injustice, God, they are big and complex. They are far-reaching. Uh, they are deep and they are wide, God. And, and we're not going to solve those issues this morning, but we are grateful, God, that you are a sovereign king who has your hand in those things and who is working to bring about justice in the, in the midst of these things. God, and as well, a God who calls us as your people to join you in the pursuit of of righteousness and justice. And so, God, we ask that you be gracious to help us to shape our thinking and our, our minds and our acting, God, around your word and around how you would have your people to live and act and think about these things. So help us, God. Bring unity in our church amongst it and bring unity in our city amongst it. We pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I just, just briefly this morning, a few important reasons why God's people, why, why the church should care about the, the problems of racism and injustice and, and how, what should shape the way that we think about those things. And the first reason is simply this, is because God deeply cares about these issues. Over and over and over again in Scripture, you see God identifying himself, aligning himself, uh, defending the, the case of those who are the weak and the marginalized and the immigrant and the oppressed, those, those who have been put under the authority of others unjustly. Psalm 146, verses 7 through 9, it reads this way, God upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, and he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The book of Isaiah, it begins with a stinging rebuke uh, that God gives to his own people who although they themselves had been treated unjustly and had been, and had been oppressed in Egypt, they were guilty of doing the very same things to others. In verse 17 of Isaiah 1, God tells them that their hands are full of blood. He goes on to say, take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right, to seek justice and to defend the oppressed. You see, God is a God of justice, and there is a special place in his heart for those who are treated unjustly, for the, the last and the least, for the oppressed and the marginalized. You see, and the reason why God cares so deeply about these issues and these people is because like the rest of humanity, they too bear his image. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the Bible tells us that all people, men and women, all people are made in the image of God and therefore have inherent and immeasurable dignity and value and worth, regardless of their age or gender, regardless of their health or disability, their social or economic standards, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their race, all people bear God's image and so have immeasurable dignity and value and worth you see, the source of every person's value and worth and dignity is God himself. And because God is immeasurably valuable, so too is human life that is made in his image. One commentator writes it this way. He says, what makes life so precious is that every human being is made in God's image. God has put his stamp on every one of us the way a great artist signs his name to a work of art. Therefore, to damage or deface a life is to deface one of God's masterpieces. 
You see, at the root of the issues of of racism and injustice is a failure to understand the reality and the implications of the fact that all people are made in the image of God. You see, slavery, it was an image of God issue, and it is an image of God issue. See, in the majority opinion in the famous 1857 Dred Scott case, the, the Supreme Court denied the freedom of Scott and ruled that slaves were inferior and, quote, had no rights which the white man was bound to respect that the Negro must, might justly and lawfully be reduced to slavery for his benefit. And obviously we'll look at that and we see that, that, the horrificness of those statements. But did you notice the justification that was there? Slaves were inferior and had no rights to the white man that the white man was bound to respect. You see, that kind of thinking is an absolute affront to the image of God which teaches us that the value and the dignity of all people is equal because it is found in being image bearers of God. In his dissenting opinion, Justice John McLean, uh, in the Dred Scott case, he, he, stated, he stated the same. He, he, re- he referenced the image of God. He simply said this, a slave is not mere chattel, for he bears the impress of his maker. You see, the argument against slavery, the argument argument against racism and injustice, it is founded on the reality of the image of God and that all people bear his name. You see, but it's not just slavery that's an image of God issue as well. It is the prejudice towards pro- and profiling of people of color that's so prominent in our country, even in our own city. These are image of God issues. Whether they are intentional or unintentional, this way of thinking and relating to people of color, it robs them of their dignity and value as image bearers of God. And we need to grow in our awareness of this because the image of God is what is at stake. His honor, his, his value, his worth is what's at stake when, when we unintentionally or intentionally devalue the image of him in others. One pastor I listened to this week, he said it this way, he says, when we rob people of their God-given dignity, they will begin to behave in a way that is undignified. This does not justify sin, but it does often give understanding for it. When those of us who have not had our dignity taken look down on others who don't trust the systems and structures which for centuries have taken theirs, we act as arrogant and foolish people, and we do not embody the compassionate. the compassionate and just God whose image we bear and is marred and who, who grieves over his, his image being marred in others. You see, the truth is, is that all of us fail to understand and live in light of the transcendent reality that we and others bear the image of God. We fail to reflect God's, his heart. We fail to reflect his nature and his character in our relationships with others. And we fail to honor his image-bearing reality in the lives of others. And this not only destroys our relationship with God, but it destroys our relationship with one another. And so the question for us as a church is, what is the way forward? 
And thankfully, again, God's word speaks to that. In Ephesians 2, God answers that question for it. In this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, Paul addresses the power of the gospel to reconcile two utterly divided groups of people, the Jews and Gentiles. And you see, the divide between Jews and Gentiles was not small or simple or shallow. It was huge and complex. It was religious. It was, it was cultural. It was racial. It was as significant as any ethnic hostility we experience today. And yet the gospel, Paul says, is the thing that breaks down those divisions. But not only breaks down the divisions, it brings about a new united people out of it. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, it reads this way. It says, therefore, Paul urges them to remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision Uh, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, Paul here is addressing the, he's addressing the transforming power of the gospel, which first and foremost reconciles people to God and second reconciles us to one another see, there is no true horizontal reconciliation amongst people without first a, a vertical reconciliation between people and God. You see, and Paul said, it is the blood of Jesus that accomplishes both. He is the one who brings those who are far off and hopeless and excluded near to him and near to his people. And he does it by dying in our place for our sin. You see, where we failed Jesus did not. He bore the image of God perfectly and he did it for us on our behalf. As one pastor put it, through sin we threw the mirror on the ground and broke it. The mirror of reflecting God as his image and Jesus through salvation starts to put that mirror back together. And so to be God's people is to be a people who are made by God's spirit and his power to be more and more imaged after Jesus. This is all of the Christian life is about becoming more like Jesus to reflect his image and to mirror God to the earth better and better. See, this doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't, doesn't happen in one single minute. Instead, the Spirit begins to put the broken pieces of our lives, our sinful behaviors and attitudes and tendencies. He starts to restore those so that we start to look more like Jesus and we're able to reflect 
his nature, his character, his love for people, his value for justice, his pursuit of mercy, his compassion towards one another. You see, what I need you to hear this morning and what I want to make sure we reiterate is that we cannot rightly bear God's image nor can we value it in the lives of others if we are not first reconciled to God through the gospel. See, it's that vertical reconciliation that both enables and commissions us towards a horizontal reconciliation with others. You see, it's that vertical reconciliation with God that enables and commissions us to care about the image of God. It's being uh, the way that it is valued in the lives of others, especially as we think about this week in the lives of our black brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, and I don't know about you, but as I reflected on the issues that are, that are so prevalent in our country right now this week, I was confronted with the reality that, that my tendency is, is all too often to want to look away to want to disengage or to merely pray for peace or reconciliation. But, but that is not what God does. Nor is it what he calls his people to see. God calls his people to have his heart for all those who are made in his image, who bear his likeness. And he calls his people as well, not only to pray for peace, but to seek justice and to defend those who are oppressed. And so if we are going to live lives as God's people, as his church, as his image-bearing representatives here in our city and in our world, then we must be a people who continues to ask God to give us his heart. To give us his heart and his character so that we might reflect who he is and what he is like to our world. I think that begins by us recognizing that often we don't have his heart. And we might assent to what is right or true or good, but we don't care about the things God cares about in the way that he does and to the degree that he does. And so I think so often the next step for us as a church is to begin by acknowledging that and asking God to give us his heart, to help us to repent of the ways that, that we don't follow him, the, repent of the ways that we choose not to have his heart and the way that we ignore what he values and how he values it. But as well, I think it, it encourages us and calls us importantly if to be that kind of a people is to learn how to listen, to learn to listen intently to God's word and how it would shape our, our actions and our thinking and our attitudes towards these issues, but also that it would call us to listen to those who are oppressed and who are weak and who are marginalized and, and to hear their voices and to be intentional about doing that so that we might learn how to come alongside them with God's heart to care for them. And to support them. You see, I'm so glad that in God's word, God, God not only calls his people to have his heart, but he sent his son so that, that to forgive us for not having it, but also to empower us, to give it to us so that we might care for his people and for the world as he does. You see, if we're going to be God's people, it will require that the God whose image all people bear gives us his heart so that we might be able to truly see and love one another rightly, especially our brothers and sisters of color. And so to that end, as a church, let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. God, and, and I know that I need to confess to you the ways in which 
and that as I think about the issues of racism and justice, God, how, how I agree with what your word says about it, but so often I don't care about it in the way that you do or to the degree, the degree that you do. God, and I ask for me and for our church as well that you would give us your heart, that you would cause us to be a people who value your image in all people, especially our brothers and sisters of color in our city this morning, in our world, that we would be a people who, who doesn't turn a blind eye to the issues of racism or injustice, but would instead be a people who have your heart and who seek justice and who defend those who are oppressed and those who are unjustly treated. God, help us to have your heart in those matters, but also, King Jesus, by your spirit, God, would you enable us and give us wisdom to know how to follow you into actions that align with your heart towards these ends. God, cause your church, cause River City to be a people, God, who value your image in all others. And God, who work towards justice and who work towards peace and who work to end the issues of racism. God, because those are issues that are inherently connected with the truth of the gospel. God, help us to be your people who reflect your heart. God, for your glory and for the good of our brothers and sisters, especially our brothers and sisters of color. God, we pray, help us. Amen.